welcome to the inaugural episode of Scions on the Southland, everyone. Uh, the uh, Georgia Tech Sports Podcast from from the Rumble Seat. Uh, it is August twelfth. Uh, how are y'all doing today? Doing fine, thanks. Doing great. So I'm Akshay. I'm one of the staff writers here at the Rumble Seat. Over there in Chicago is Jake Grant, our adventurous Cubs fan and <laughs> non-revenue sports writer. And over there is in downtown Atlanta uh, is the big boss, Cade Lawson. Yeah, the big boss. You're getting, the, you're getting last billing today. Whew. All right, so we are going to start our podcast by previewing Georgia Tech's 2018 football season this week. We're going to start by taking a high-level look at the program, talk a little bit about the schedule, uh, and then next week we'll dive specifically into offense. week after that, we'll talk about Tech's new-look defense under Nate Woody and also talk a little bit about Game 1 versus Alcorn State. How does that sound to y'all? Sounds good to me. All righty then. Let's get right into it. So, Georgia Tech football in 2018. Where where do we begin? So let's let's talk about the the roster as a whole. So we got nine returning starters on offense, plus offensive lineman Andrew Marshall returning from a season long uh, foot injury uh, in 2017. We also have a new defensive coordinator, Nate Woody, uh, as we previously discussed on from the Rumble seat. That's installing a three four defense. But he's also replacing an entire secondary, and he's also only got four returning starters on the defensive side of the ball. Coach Paul Johnson uh, is entering his 11th year, uh, and he attributes his sort of underperformance uh, in 2017 to a 5-6 and record to a lot of bad bounces and unlucky plays. Uh, the one that sticks out in my mind uh, specifically is the bounce off of a Georgia Tech player's helmet that helped a Miami football player. Yeah, that helped a Miami football player catch uh, a pass on fourth down and then all those bubble screens in that game. Fourth and 19, I believe. That's a lot lot of trauma. That is a lot of trauma. (laughs) We're talking about our favorite uh, moment when the season broke down. I like to remember back to the Duke game that we all traveled up to and – you, ju- you just saw them break down. There's a point in each game, three, four, five of the losses, where you're like, okay, this team is, is it's out of it. Like, sometimes it's a play you can control, like against Miami. Sometimes it's just that last touchdown before the half against Duke. But it's a new year, so we get to talk about that. Right, and it was always, it was always something with the defense. It was always a bend, don't break mentality under Ted Roof. And, and more often than not in 2017, that broke. And and we'll talk more about this in a couple weeks, but it, it was just there were a lot of just seemingly systematic failures on defense, especially in the secondary. And I know they were a super experienced unit that played together very well. And you have a lot of big names like Lance Austin from Miracle on Techwood and his brother, A.J. Gray, who's now unfortunately um, not on the roster this year because of uh, a medical injury um, that's ended his career. But th- it was just a very emergency defending mentality and i'm excited to see that sort of differ in what we've heard so far from camp uh and so far from the spring um from nate woody and his defense that's exciting coming into this year but i think if they play with the same mentality of Corey griffin said it like this last year they wanted to start in the dome and end in the dome referencing the chick-fil-a kickoff game against tennessee 
and the fact that the national championship was in Atlanta. Uh, but if we if we take that kind of mentality into the new season, then that's a good place to start. Yeah, it's gonna take it's gonna take some lucky breaks, I think, to go from a defense as bad as it was last year to one that's above average this year, especially considering the way that the roster is configured to offer a four three scheme and not in a Woody's three four scheme. So especially when you think about bringing in guys to play that outside linebacker position, that's so important in the new scheme. There could be some big gaps, but overall, just the new infusion of both talent and coaching should make this a lot better this season. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk uh, about where all of these pollsters saw us uh, see us starting out this season. Jake, I think you have a list of those right in front of you. Yeah, I've got a couple pulled up. Um, I'm going to start with Bill uh, Bill Connolly over at Podcast Ain't Played Nobody uh, and also one of our fellow SB Nation uh, writers, but he uh, likes to preview each team before the year and uh, go in depth on the statistical side of things. Um, but he projects us to go five and seven, uh, and he ranks us 53rd in his S&P Plus uh, statistical scheme. It's not that bullish, frankly, but it's pretty similar to a record that we all feel that we could have overperformed last year. I feel like uh, the general consensus up and down the flats is more that tech was two or three unlucky breaks away from an eight and three record, for example, instead of five and six. But a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, power rankings, if you will, aren't quite as high on tech as we are. Um, ESPN also has us ranked 11th, which is below the likes of Duke and Pitt in our division and uh, Louisville minus Lamar Jackson. So these are some, these are some pretty negative uh, negative reviews when a lot of the things we feel from the flats, like having a returning quarterback in a dynamic offense, could really lift us up, you know? Uh, and then you talk about uh, other college football writers like Stuart Mandel of The Athletic, who says, like, hey, I don't know what to expect from Georgia Tech one year to the next. There's a lot of other people like uh, Michael Cunningham at the AJC that says, okay, this is one of the years that tech football is going to be better than you think. And then our good old Jeff Schultz, also at The Athletic, but formerly at the AJC, who says tech has the ability to go eight and four and also and win the ACC Coastal and make the ACC Championship game. So there's a lot of different opinions, I, I think, across the board. Yeah. Uh, Cade, you've been at this longer than, than I have, but... Um... I kind of get the vibe that coastal chaos is never really going to go away. And this seems to be a year where not many people have a good peg on what the conference is going to do. So, um, so is this different than what you've seen in the past or kind of the same old, same old? Really? It's just, it's, it's just the same thing over and over. The coastal is always probably going to be the wild, wild west. Cause there's not going to be any program with the exception of maybe Virginia tech or Georgia tech historically, that's going to take over in the way that Florida state and Clemson have in the Atlantic. And when you have that that type of parity and competitiveness, there's just no telling what's going to happen. I always think about the year, I think 2012, I think, when Tech won the whole Coastal at 500 in conference play and played Florida State in the ACC championship game at 6-6. Mm -hmm. and six. It's crazy. But it just goes to show you how crazy the whole division is. For sure. And then you got Pittsburgh coming off a down year, UNC coming off all those uh, self-inflicted suspensions. Miami, who knows what they're going to do year to the next. And then Virginia Tech kind of got hurt by some scandal as well. And we got a coastal that doesn't really seem to know what it's doing, let alone 
like Akshay said, Stuart Mandel not knowing what to expect from Tech. You don't know even know what to expect from the rest of the division either. Yeah, and one of the things that makes me kind of nervous is the fact that <laughs> some of the opinions I trust more are the guys that are a little more negative on, on Tech's chances this season. Guys like Bill C that you can trust yeah. to really things that, that matter more advanced stats and stuff like that that other guys don't have access to. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that <laughs> makes you nervous a little bit, but obviously there's just always the chance that everyone's wrong. The, but then again, you can also have the view, uh, I don't know if you guys out there in the uh, internet out there listen to us have heard of a player's perspective, but it's uh, Tom, Com- uh, Tom Covington and uh, Pat Swilling out there doing an hourly program on Monday nights uh, from a player's perspective, and they're pegging us to go 11-1. and one. Granted, they're probably closer to us than the fans that want to see Tech do really well, but the, just the broad range of opinion out there is, it'll make your head spin, you know? Oh, yeah. 11-1, and one, that's, <laughs> they're, getting, they're getting up there with the, the hype train, but I'm happy <laughs> Indeed. I'm glad. Better than 0-12, which they could oh. be projecting. I mean, yeah, now, and if the players are projecting, if former players are projecting 0-12, then uh, that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's not good. <laughs> but, so so I think the, the consensus is really Tech has a tough schedule. The division is a toss-up. Defense could be some issues. But Tech always has this uncanny knack for fading in and out of the coastal conversation and the ACC conversation as a whole. Um, and then sometimes just jumping in, um, like the solid verbal uh, says, another podcast in the college football universe um, says, sometimes they'll just go, surprise, we're going to win 10 games. So let's talk about the schedule. I think that's the key factor in a lot of these these assessments. Actually, um, we got to win on the road. Before we before we get down to nitty gritty of individual teams, we're 2-11 and 11 on the road in the past three years. Um, we've lost some... Tough games on the road, we've got blown out on the road. I think if Tech wants to find itself not so much in a bowl game, but just in solid season rank not ranking, but you know, like if they if we want to say it's a successful eight nine win season, we gotta pick some up up at UNC, up at Pitt over in South Florida, stuff like that. So so let's talk about each opponent. I'm just gonna kind of give each both of y'all a preview from the blurbs that I have written down here of each opponent. And then my question is going to be, what is your prediction for this game and why? You can attach a score to it. You cannot attach a score to it. Your choice. I'll leave it up to y'all. But yeah, so uh, without further ado, game number one, September 1st versus Alcorn State. So that's our traditional FCS opponent to start out the year. Tennessee, notwithstanding. But yeah, so Alcorn State, they're an HBCU, last played in 2015, which and we beat them 69-6, to six, uh, yes, if I remember correctly. Um, obviously, that didn't, you know, that didn't end up setting a pace for the rest of the year, given that we finished the year 3-9. and nine. But, you know, an easy win in 2015, any win in 2015 was hard to come by, so I think we'll take it. So how are y'all feeling about game one um, and weekend one versus Alcorn State? I'm definitely of the opinion that we should blow the doors off this team. Uh, they're in their third year under coach uh, Fred McNair. Uh, they made it to their conference championship last year. These are all good things, but at the end of the day, we're a power five uh, ACC team. Alcorn State, if they score more than like twice, 
that's probably even in and of itself kind of a bad sign. I think we'll win this yeah. game pretty well. Yeah, and I haven't seen too much too much Alcorn State football since we played them in 2015. Um, outside of, I think, the, the SWAC Bowl game, I forget what it's called, Heritage Bowl maybe, that they were in, I think, last year. But I think if I remember correctly, they still run a spread-style offense that even Ted Roof could stop, which is always a good sign. Um, <laughs> so you got it. <laughs> you really hope that Nate Woody comes out and with a good performance against a team like that, that, that your predecessor could even stop. But, yeah, I think that it's going to be something like, I'll give you 49 to 10 or something like that. All right, Jake, you, you got a score on hand or? Score on hand. I don't know if we'll put up 69 points again, but. That would be I, nice. I it, I, it, w- it would be nice for sure. Um, I think we'll make it to the end zone seven, eight times. Call it like 56 to 14, I guess. Yeah, sounds pretty good. My take is, is sort of similar to y'all's. This is an FCS team. They're a strong FCS team, as evidenced by their conference conference championship appearance last year. But I have a hard time seeing a way that Tech loses this game, other than if there's just a catastrophic failure on some side of the ball. Like Nate Woody or Paul Johnson just has to like like has to be sick or miss this game entirely to for something seriously wrong to happen. Uh, obviously. Tech has had issues with its first opponents in the past. Uh, Middle Tennessee State in, I think, 2012 comes to mind. But, but this, this should be an open and shut case, right? I, I think yeah. the only way we lose this game is if you see me down on the sidelines with a, with a play chart or something like that. You know, like that would be pretty bad. Don't, don't let that happen. Even, even Cade could call a win, I think, at this point. Oh boy. Just run. <laughs> hey, it works in NCAA 14. It never mind that the option is just completely broken in that game, but you can run you can run the ever living daylights out of someone with a triple option. Uh, and that's and what we got, zone. right? Yeah, ain't that the truth? So uh, let's move on to week two at South Florida in uh, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Um, this is the first meeting between Georgia Tech and South Florida. Charlie Strong, our favorite former Texas head football coach, is back, baby. They lose a lot on offense because they don't have superstar quarterback Quentin Flowers, who was amazing to watch in that uh, USF-UCF rivalry game last season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Fireworks on the offensive side of the ball, honestly. Bill Connolly, the robot, says they're projected for about an 8-4 record, and he sees them improving a lot throughout the course of the season. All right, boys. So, projection for this game and why? Go. Good thing we play them at the beginning of the season if they're going to be improving throughout. But um, <laughs> it's on the road. It's going to be hot. Uh, noonday sun, I believe. Paul Johnson touched on this in his opening press conference. But I mean, he still got to play the game. Um, I think Georgia Tech. It's not going to be a blowout, but I think Tech can win this by a, a couple scores. Maybe make it like a like a 35-21 type game, you know, three scores to five scores, walk away with a win. But it'll, it'll test us. It'll definitely be more of a test than Alcorn. But I think, I think Tech's got what it takes to win. And I think South Florida just lost too much for them to really give us a down-to-the-wire show for game two of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And um, in my opinion, their biggest loss is probably Willie Taggart. Um, you just can't really overcome that. 
I know Charlie Strong is he's going into I think his second season, but they were just not the same team as they were once. They had that really rare combination of uh, like a generational quarterback in Quentin Flowers with probably a generational coach for a program like theirs and Willie Taggart. And that's just a combination that they don't have now. So um, it's still not a gimme, but I think I'm going to say something along the lines of 42-21 or something like that. I think they'll still put up points with their offense. Oh, they've got such an electric offense. I think that the truth. Yeah, even with a first-year quarterback, I think I think the machine still purrs on offense for South Florida. Obviously, like you said, it's not a generational talent like Flowers, but you know, it, it, it's Charlie Strong. It's mostly the same offense, but I don't know. I think the thing for me is that their defense is still is still experienced, and they bring back a lot of the same players from last year. So, may I wouldn't go so far as maybe a three-score deficit. I'm feeling 35, 35 for Tech, but maybe two touchdown, like a 35 to 25 or something like that. Like yeah. not as big of a, like, because I don't think there's, because I think their defense is still pretty quality. And maybe if their offense can't, can't keep putting them back in the game, their defense can still keep them in it. Well, if you think about it, like their offense is going to be mostly untested against our defense, which should still be pretty pretty new, right? And if their defense is what's stronger and our offense is stronger, it should be a pretty good matchup, right? Yeah. Yeah, Agreed. for sure. And this one is in the noon slot, like Jake said. Um, yeah. What, on ACC Network, on your uh, RSN? I believe so. Uh, ACC Network uh, itself doesn't go linear until 2019. Uh, there's actually an interesting article about that. But that's a story for another time. I believe we're on the... Regional Sports Network, Raycom Sports. So oh, uh, God, keep an eye out for that. Oh, my God, I hate Raycom. But that's that's besides the point right now. For sure. Kate, any final thoughts on South Florida? Yes, I would like to uh, officially denounce myself from five minutes ago and change my prediction to 35-21. <laughs> All right, so you, you're kind of giving uh, South Florida seven more points there. I was a child then. I've changed. I've grown. You've grown. I'm proud of you. All right. That's the wise leadership we have here at From the Rumble Seat. (laughs) All right. Let's start talking about the conference slate. ACC conference play for Georgia Tech opens up on September 15th at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh versus Pittsburgh. Uh, So... Uh, the wild ride of Pat Narduzzi continues in Pittsburgh. Um, Bill Conley projects them as five and seven and talks in his preview. He talks a lot about how there are a lot of close games on the schedule. He says that there's going to be a lot of defensive improvement, especially after last year. They went from atrocious to good versus the past last year. Um, their front seven was young, but now it's a lot more experienced. They bring back quarterback Kenny Pickett who upset Miami, but also struggled at times towards the end of the season. But, you know, Pat Narduzzi also complains about cut blocks a lot. So, prediction and why? I don't think, I'm not as high on Kenny Pickett uh, in terms of like beating Miami. Yeah, that was cool. But, uh, I mean, a lot of teams had a shot against Miami. Uh, They got blown out in their bowl. They got blown out by Clemson. And, Pickett didn't see a lot of playing time last year with their whole quarterback being kind of 
uh, in question last year with hometown uh, uh, Ben DiNucci, I believe, taking a lot of the time. But Pickett did earn that role, so he's not completely untalented or anything. Our games in Pitt last couple years have been at least uh, 2016 sticks out as being an exceptional roller coaster ride. I really hope it's not like that again this year. But um, I think I think Pitt has enough question marks that they're still a year a year out from really contending in this division, and uh, this should be a, a win as far as our conference slate goes, which would be a nice way, nice way to start off with a win on the road. Probably like a 28-20 kind of win. It's close. Mm-hmm. It's not a blowout, but I think Tech takes this one. Yeah, I think they I, – I hope they take it too. But, I mean, this is the first time and since Pat Narduzzi took over there that I can't remember – that I can remember um, that it is not some dark horse to win the conference for the first time. Every single year they've been that team, along with Miami, that people say is going to come out of nowhere. But people finally are realizing that Pat Narduzzi is not that good, and he complains a lot, and he's not a good coach in the ACC because his defense just hasn't translated. So you wish you would complain less and coach more, but I really think that Pitts matches up pretty well just because their offense has had success against Tech in the past. So you have to really bank on um, Nate Woody making a change somehow. But I think it's going to be a really close game and probably a high-scoring game. So I would go somewhere like 35 to 28 with Tech winning. I remember, I think it was either 2016 or 2015, albeit the loss, the 2015 season was entirely lost. But the Pitt game that year, and I, I want to say it was like a stronger Pitt team than the average year, came down to the final seconds where um, their kicker, I want to say his name was like Pete Blewett or something. Chris Blewett or something like that. Yeah, he didn't blow it and hit like a 30-yard field goal uh, to win that game uh, at Bobby Dodd. It happened and, on the road in 2016 too, so you're not far off with saying it's 2015 or 2016. Yep. Yeah, so I don't exactly remember pit, the pit game last year off the top of my head. But we given that – well, that's good. Um, historically, given that the, those games have been close and Pitt sort of underperformed drastically last season, I'm inclined to say that the line for this game should be somewhere in the neighborhood of like Tech by, I don't know, four and a half. Like it, it's, it's going to be competitive – it's gonna be it's gonna be gritty. Pitt is gonna come after like a Pitt's defense is still like it's decent and it's been able um, in those games it was able to shut down Justin Thomas, who we all think was like one of the greatest talents that Georgia Tech has seen in a while. So I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty seven twenty four Tech just to give that four and a half point line some credence. I know that we're uh, we're talking about their great defense, and this is a throwback to 2016. But said defense did also give up 61 points to a four and eight Syracuse Orange team. Uh, granted, that was now two seasons ago, but uh, I, I I think it'll be a close game, but I don't think it'll be a defensive slugfest. Yeah, I don't I don't buy the strong defense for for them this year. Well, I mean, giving up 27 points doesn't mean their defense is all that strong, which I guess is counter to what I said. Clemson, so then but that yeah. same year, you know. I think I, I think their defense is trending up this season um, based okay. on what Bill Conley has said. So I think 
putting it at like a four and a half point spread and saying Tech is going to win by a field goal, I feel perfectly fine with that. Very fair. Very fair, good sir. All right. So, moving on. Now comes the games that are uh, they're a little harder to call for us. So, September 22nd versus Clemson on the flats. This will probably – I mean, if both teams are 3-0 going into this game, this will probably be like a 3-30 start for once for Georgia Tech. Oh, boy. Maybe a night game. Who knows? Um, He'll catch us live at Waffle House at 8 a.m. no matter the game time. But Yeah, so I do not hesitate to say that Clemson is the prohibitive ACC favorite this year. The only question mark they have – if there is even a question mark, is there QB quote unquote controversy between Trevor Lawrence and uh, incumbent quarterback Kelly Bryant? But both of them are really good, so it doesn't matter. The entire defensive line, I believe, is is preseason All ACC. This team, honestly, can it, it scares the living daylights out of me, like to to play, and I'm not even the one playing them. The only thing is, the only concern that I can see in term, coming from their side is that they struggled versus Bama in the semifinal last year. And, and maybe their quarterback controversy actually ends up being a controversy. Uh, and there are some sort of, you know, issues gelling depending on which quarterback they end up going with. But I, this is a hard game to call. I'm kind of notorious for... Uh never wanting to predict a loss. So instead of saying what I think the score could be, I'm going to go with what I think it takes for Tech to win. And uh, given that Dabo's biggest recruiting get over the past offseason wasn't necessarily recruiting some five stars, it was getting his entire line to stay on at Clemson, I think getting getting through that front line into the secondary is going to be a big part of this game for us if we expect to pull out a win. And we're definitely not going to blow off the doors uh, of this Clemson team. They're really good, guys. Them being good is good for the conference, too. Uh, so I'm not exactly complaining. But, man, if we were to get a game under the lights and kind of feast on getting some successful, getting that A back uh, back in action, like Cade wrote about a couple weeks ago, maybe getting it to the outside, away from the front four, that would be a, that'd be a good path towards maybe pulling off an upset against Clemson. Yeah, and I'm, I'm afraid they're going to blow our doors off pretty easily. Um, <laughs> that reminds Dabo's... me of 2016. Ugh. There was that safety. There was the, I, I, the, the most – and I'll let you continue. I just wanted to bring this. The, the biggest memory in my mind from the 2016 Clemson game is that we were still – we had negative total yardage until about halfway through the second quarter. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's never good. Dabo's got him. Well, Father Dabo, because you don't want to – don't disrespect the clergy. Father Dabo <laughs> has got him on – Strong pass. I mean, they. you mentioned their defensive line, which is just unfair. I don't think there's a single guy on there who's less than five stars. Um, when you're looking at guys like Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence, those are two of the best players probably in the entire country this year. And the fact that what Tech has on offense is not good enough to score against Clemson's defense, especially when you consider that defensive line and the fact that uh, Taquan Marshall has struggled so badly to uh, take advantage in the passing game throughout his career as a quarterback, which admittedly is only one year. So if he can't do that, there's there's no chance of winning this game. And I really think we would be lucky to, to break 14 against a defense like that. 
So Jake didn't want to give a score. I think Cade, you're leaning towards not giving a score either. <laughs> I'll give I'll give you uh thirty eight to fourteen Clemson. Oh god. I mean makes sense. They we put up about fourteen last year. I can't remember what it was. I was about three inches deep in water and freezing to death. But uh they didn't quite put thirty eight on us, but it wasn't exactly close with the the conditions out there. On a dry field, thirty eight is not that unreasonable i think so hopefully hopefully it's not that bad i don't like calling for a loss but it's going to be a tough yeah. one to pull out if we do win you yeah. know yeah maybe i'll give us 17 but beyond 20 <laughs> is just something no team really does against against clemson so here here's my piece on this game i like i said it's a hard game to call and and like you jake i don't want to really chalk it up as a loss I'm going to I'm going to take the same tack and say like here's what we have to do to improve and I think the most ob- or to win sorry the most obvious thing um that I can think of in order to win this game is that the secondary uh, the secondary and the linebackers are going to have to step up. Clemson's offensive line um traditionally has been super strong um and we haven't been able to get a lot of push on them. If our linebackers can be, and this defense gives them a lot of latitude to be athletic, if they can be as athletic and as fast as this, as Nate Woody's defensive scheme allows them to be and get to outside rushing and get to the quarterback, and then also the secondary can step up and knock down Kelly Bryant or Trevor Lawrence's passes and really make throwing the ball in any way, shape, or form even remotely close to a living hell. I think we're in okay shape if our offense can find a way to put some points on the board. So basically you're asking them all to be Bruce Jordan swilling during that pick six from the Virginia game for the entire game, and then maybe we have a shot. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> but I'm yeah. picking up what you're laying down. Saying it would be a Herculean effort, and obviously we're all coming at this like, from the pro- like from the perspective of Georgia Tech fans and and all three of us students, saying that it would be a her- almost a Herculean effort to beat Clemson in what is seemingly their dynastic golden years is not that far from the truth. A fair point. All right. Any any final thoughts on uh, ACC prohibitive favorite Clemson? Not for me. All righty. Then we'll move on to the last game of September versus Tuesday night Maction opponent, although this is on a Saturday. Probably in the middle of the afternoon. (laughs) This is is one that sets up for a nice noon kickoff. Um, So a little bit of of backstory to Bowling Green. Bill Connolly calls them one of the most often riders on the Mac roller coaster. They're super inconsistent. Uh, hell, they even went 2-10 and 10 last year. Um, but he offers that they're poised for a surge this season. He credits that possible surge to quarterback Jarrett Doji um, and running back Andrew Clare. Um, says they could be good in 2018, better in 2019, and that Doji has a solid receiving core surrounding him. They, too, also bring in a new defensive coordinator, and that has engendered a lot of positional competition across the board and there could be a lot of improvement and i mean there's a lot of room for improvement from a team that went two and ten last year and and he does note that what there have been obvious wins in recruiting 
but they just haven't been on the field wins. Like guys have produced on the defensive side of the ball for Bowling Green, but it just hasn't been enough to offset their inability to do anything on offense last season. So I take it back to you guys. Prediction and why? I see them taking a step forward because there's not much farther of a step they can take backwards. But even if these guys are pro- uh, projected to do better, uh, like you said, um, sophomore backfield uh, quarterback, Jared Doji, however you say his name, and running back, like they're still pretty young. They've got a ro- lot of room to grow. But this is this Power 5 Georgia Tech home game against Group of 5 MAC, MAC, however you want to go about it. Bowling Green team, I think Tech pulls out the win here again pretty easily. It shouldn't be as tough of a game as Florida State, Flo- or not Florida State, South Florida, my bad. We got them at home. Should be another 3-4 even score game. I'm putting this one at like 35-14. I think Tech takes this one pretty pretty straightforwardly. Yeah, their their defense wasn't just bad in, in 2017. Their defense was 125th out of 129 bad. It's hard to get, like, you, you you just can't get worse than they were. And then they lost a whole lot of their secondary. Um, and I just, I, I kind of disagree with Bill C about them being a bounce back candidate, unless you're considering three and nine as like a victory in that category. Because the fact is they lost a ton of production on offense and a ton of weapons. They lost their incumbent starting quarterback who had split time with Doji. And there's just not a whole lot for you to look forward to, especially after you've defended dismissed your defensive coordinator and they're still expecting that offensive line to be kind of a weakness on the team after losing a lot of the uh, longtime guys who played at that position even last season when they were terrible so I'm thinking this is going to be it's got to be another easy win if it's not that would be (laughs) very disappointing so probably something like hmm, 38 to 17 maybe that's fair there. I kind of see this as a as a trap game, honestly, because this is sandwiched right in between a possible kind of body blow game versus Clemson and a short week and Friday night uh, appearance uh, in Louisville. So I, I'm not going to say that Tech is going to look past Bowling Green and prepare for Louisville on this game week, but you have to be thinking like, hey, we just came off of a huge like a of a tough game versus Clemson, a tough like physical game and physical game versus Clemson, and we're playing a a Mac opponent that went two and ten. That to me, that just seems like a, an opportunity to underperform this week. I wouldn't say that Tech wins by three or four touchdowns. I would put it a little a little closer, maybe ten points. I would say. Like maybe Bowling Green takes a lead early and we all kind of get our knickers in a twist and are like, are we going to MTSU this one again? Like I said, 10 points is, I think, the line on this one. So Tech, mm, 28, Bowling Green, 18. I would be nervous. I mean, this is, they. I just, in my honest opinion, they're not even very much better of a team than... Alcorn State. They may actually be a better coach team than Alcorn State. Alcorn State just doesn't have the same talent being an FCS program. Mm-hmm. But these guys, they lost to everybody last year. They lost to FCS South Dakota. The only team they, I mean, good for them, they beat Miami, but that was Miami of Ohio, so not what you <laughs> want. 
and they beat Kent State, which is also not what you want. But, I mean, they're just – they were horrible last year, and I don't see a whole lot of reason for them to be too much better this year, although it definitely could be a trap game, which would be very sad. Well, I don't know. I see it from the schedule perspective, right? Like I said, it's it's right – it's sandwiched right in between two and, – and obviously we're going to talk about Louisville next, but it's sandwiched right after a tough game versus Clemson and then a short week. And especially given that the reputation this season is going to be that they're not that great. I think it's a – it's an opportunity for what I want to say that the guys at the solid verbal call a letdown look ahead type game. Right. Yeah. You can, you can't argue with that. You never want to have a team on short rest like that after a big game. All right. Any, any final thoughts on uh, Bowling Green in week five? Uh, you guys pretty much nailed everything that you could kind of take them to the woodshed on. Cool. 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 All right. So the aforementioned game to open up, October versus Louisville. This one's on a Friday night and the first meeting between the schools uh, since Louisville joined the ACC. Actually, I think it's the first meeting ever between the two schools. Yeah. Um, first meeting ever. Yeah, so Louisville loses a lot on offense because Lamar Jackson was their entire offense and uh, now he's with the Baltimore Ravens. Their defense is now helmed by former Notre Dame and Atlanta Falcons defensive coordinator and former George Southern head coach, a man we all know and love uh, here in Atlanta, Brian Van Gorder. And also, uh, like we've like we've been discussing, like we discussed with Bowling Green, this one's on a short week because it is on a Friday instead of a Saturday. But it is on ESPN in the nighttime slot, so uh, that's nice. All right, so boys, prediction and why? Uh, first off, Fridays for high school football. I think this is weird. I like being on ESPN. Uh, and I get that it's good publicity and more money for the conference, but I think that, I don't know, you take away the spotlight from kids in high school and you take away some of that specialness of playing on Friday and it trickles on over to Saturday and Sunday, you know? that's There's just a reason we've played Friday, Saturday, Sunday for so long that I think throwing these kids off their regular routine hurts them, and I think that we should give high schoolers the due that they're I guess that doesn't make a lot of sense and it's repetitive but as far as the game goes Louisville loses so much of their offense in Lamar Jackson he's a tremendous player and that's really tough for them I don't see them being terrible though so I think it'll be a, a relatively close game maybe a 10 point 10 point game two possessions I don't know like a nice 27 13 or 14 you know not not too much on in terms of Offensive fireworks, but not, it's not it's not going to be six to three Big Ten Iowa style, you know, defensive struggle going on here. Yeah, definitely. Um, we caught him <laughs> caught him at a really good time. Um, your odds, just Lamar Jackson going away, are massively higher than they were before. Man, you hate to have to make any type of contact with the the things that are Brian Van Gorder and Bobby Petrino. You would love to, for them to just. Oh my stay God! Up. I forgot that Bobby Petrino is yeah. still there. Oh. Oh yeah, he's a he's a good good man. You hope Please they don't start with play. me. But um, the thing I'm most worried about for this game is honestly um Brian Van Gorder. When I think about what Notre Dame and their defense was able to do to Tech back in 2015, 
uh, when we played up at South Bend because, you know, everybody had heard that he was doing uh, consulting for defending the triple option for them. Everyone thought it was kind of a gimmick, which it may well have been. But what ended up happening was it was a battle of two, at the time, top 10, top 15 teams. Notre Dame shut down Tech under, I suppose, his defensive guidance. And then um, Notre Dame ended up being terrible, and so did Tech. So that was not not a very good look. So you really just hope that you can piece together enough offense to get to probably the 28-ish point mark. And I think Tech should win this game, but I think it'll be really close. So I'm going to go with something like 28-24 Tech. Yeah, and I agree. Brian Mittengorder is – an adventure everywhere that he's been. Bobby Petrino is still one of the worst humans alive, uh, in my humble opinion, Ooh. for abandoning the Falcons uh, in, what, 07? Halfway yeah, through the 07. season? This should be, like like Cade, you were saying, this should be a pretty close game. The defense from Van Gorder, there's usually pretty they, – they match up very well with Tech. And even though the offense is losing a lot without Lamar Jackson, I, I still think if they if their defense can keep Tech down, they their offense is serviceable enough to to put up enough points to make this a very competitive and very close game. So I'm in the neighborhood of let's say sixteen to thirteen Tech. What you fifteen? Sixteen. 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 Wow. I think I think this game is definitely going to come down to how both defenses perform. It just ends up being like who's who, which offense can outpower the defense or which defense can score it can score uh, more points. Yeah, definitely. Let's move on to everyone's favorite homecoming opponent and our most often played homecoming opponent in Georgia Tech history, Duke. Uh, so this. This game uh, is also on a bit of a short week as uh, Tech has fall break coming up at the beginning of that week. Duke has quarterback Daniel Jones, or yeah, Daniel Jones coming back. They bring back a lot of their starters, I believe, um, on both sides of the ball. Um, Daniel Jones is poised to be one of the best, best quarterbacks in the ACC. David Cutcliffe seems to have Tech's number every season. And he's still alive, kicking and complaining about cut blocking, just like Pat Narduzzi. Um, so what do y'all think about this homecoming stand? I'm saying this will probably be like a 3 p.m. kick, depending on both teams' records. I've struggled to feel good about this game as hard as I tried to, just because recent history, um, David Cutcliffe, as annoying and caricature-looking as he is, just it has had text number for for quite a while now after struggling really really badly as he's tried to build that program up during his early years um they bring back a lot a lot of talent at some really important positions uh daniel jones i think is probably one of the top two quarterbacks in the coastal even though he doesn't get a lot of credit since he plays at duke and then they've got guys on offense that can make plays Britton brown they're really solid running back and guys on defense too like joe giles harris who's a veteran uh linebacker and who gave tech some problems last year They've got a whole lot. Their big question mark is probably going to be their offensive line, which is a huge question mark to have, as anyone who watched 2015 Georgia Tech will tell you. Mm. But if they can figure, <laughs> yeah, but if they can figure that out, I think that they could really beat us. 
and I think that it's I'm gonna go with a final score of something like twenty one seventeen Duke. Ooh. That's a that's a close one. And honestly I, I think I agree. It's it's gonna be somewhere in that three point range for in terms of a spread. These Duke games are in my time at Tech, Duke games have been basically fifty fifty. It's just so hard to call a team that seeming call games against a team that seemingly matches up so well um, with the way that Tech plays. Cutcliffe just somehow knows how to pick on Tech's weak points every year, and then sometimes Tech just kind of implodes, like we saw last season when <laughs> Tech didn't score the entire second half. So. Yep. I, I think I think calling this one close it is is where I'm headed. I would say, how about this? I'll say 24-21, Tech gets a homecoming win. Hmm. I hope so. I like homecoming wins. I enjoy homecoming wins too. Last year versus Wake Forest, beating Wake Forest into the ground at, on uh, in a night game at home. That I was a fan of that. We uh we played them homecoming my freshman year too, uh, 2016. But that's ah, the yes. only win we have against them in the last four years. We dropped 2014 at home, 2015 on the road, and 2017, obviously last year, the game where the defense just basically fell apart. But even in 2016, that win took a Herculean effort on Justin Thomas's part. Uh, they were Duke was in that game the whole time. That was not a cakewalk homecoming victory so any any time in the last four years all these Cutcliffe teams have hung around Georgia Tech until the bitter end you know and usually more often than not they've pulled out the victory but Tech fans every year chalk Duke up as up yep we'll we'll win that one all time we're 51 and 33 against them so I don't exactly blame our fans but it's it hasn't been a give me victory at all in the last four or five years you know yeah, very true. Yeah, I think Cutcliffe just, like you said, Cutcliffe is just a magician. He knows, he seems to know what makes Tech tick, and he, he, he he's so good, and I hate to give him credit because David Cutcliffe, uh, but he just knows what makes Tech tick and, and game plans so effectively against the Yellow Jackets. Mm-hmm. So what are, you, what are you thinking in terms of a score here? Uh, personally, I'm thinking... Gosh, if if Tech pulls this one out, it's going to be a close one. Uh, I think the spread is going to be within a score. Honestly, though, with Duke didn't lose a whole lot, if I'm not mistaken. I think Daniel Jones showed he had some real skill last year. I don't know. It's going to be close. I think we've, we've got a little homecoming voodoo, uh, as we've seen in the past. And I'm more than a little superstitious, so I'm going to go with the homecoming dub. But it's it's still going to be something close, like 24-21, 24-20, something like that. Okay. Cool. 